Amen. You may be seated. I welcome you to Macedonia this morning. My name is Kevin Johnson. I'm pastor here. And it's a joy to be with you on this second Sunday of Lent um, as, we, as we think together about how Jesus sees it. These lectionary gospel texts throughout all of Lent are, are, are really an opportunity for us to understand how Jesus looks at the world and looks at it maybe a bit differently uh, than, than we are used to seeing it. So I invite you um, to look at it with me this morning through this lens of John 3, the familiar passage of Jesus and Nicodemus um, about the new birth. Um, and it is one that includes um, maybe one of the most famous verses of Scripture, if not the most, in John 3.16. Um, so I invite you to hear this today. There was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a Jewish leader. He came to Jesus at night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could do these miraculous signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered, I assure you, unless someone is born anew, it's not possible to see God's kingdom. Nicodemus asked, how is it possible for an adult to be born? It's impossible to enter the mother's womb for a second time and be born, isn't it? Jesus answered, I assure you, unless someone is born of water and spirit, it's not possible to enter God's kingdom. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh, and whatever is born of the spirit is spirit. Don't be surprised that I said to you, you must be born anew. God's spirit blows wherever it wishes. You hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it's going. It's the same with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said, how are these things possible? Jesus answered, you are a teacher of Israel and you don't know these things? I assure you that we speak about what we know and testify about what we have seen, but you don't receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you don't believe, how will will you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has gone to heaven except the one who came down from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him won't perish, but will have eternal life. God didn't send his Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the thoughts and meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, for you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. As a middle school student, I became quite the teepier. You know, toilet papering someone's house. In our middle school small group, we would have sleepovers. And our adult leaders would take us out around midnight where we would systematically make sure that every girl in the youth group would have their house teepeed throughout the year. It was amazingly fun, harmless, and brought the adrenaline that one feels in a movie about a heist. But instead of stealing precious jewels or millions of dollars, we were unloading a 36 roll of toilet paper and drawing with sidewalk chalk on the driveway. Most of the fun happened because we were under the cover of darkness. No one could see us, and before the days of nest cameras and loads of security systems, you only worried about the dog waking up. So we would get out of the car, sprint to the house, 
try to play catch over the trees and over the house silently and give each other the thumbs up to get back into the car. Thrilled with our job, we would move on to the next house while regaling tales of what just happened. I took this church activity to my friends at school because naturally one should learn those things at church and then bring it to their school friends. And one night, while sleeping over to buddies, we went to Colleen's house. We knew all the girls were sleeping over there, and we wanted to get the house good for when they would wake up in the morning. We all spotted the house, knew it was hers, and got out sometime after midnight from my buddy's mom's car, ready to teepee. We did a great job. The house was teepeed to perfection. One of my best jobs. I think we even brought plastic forks to put in the lawn that night. The extra annoyance of middle school boys. And when the next morning came, we were told that in the darkness we teepeed the house across the street. (laughs) We couldn't really make out the color of the house. It was the same design as Colleen's house in that subdivision. You know, when there's like four models to choose from. So the girls were charged with going to help clean up the neighbor's house, and some of us, I think, were told that we had to go over too. In the darkness, we couldn't really see what we were doing. Nicodemus goes to Jesus under the cover of darkness. Now, some scholars have tried to say that the evening was the time when when, when rabbis and Pharisees would study the scriptures, so naturally Nicodemus would go to Jesus at that time. But in John's gospel, nothing like this is unintentional. And when it says that it was dark, John wants us to see something. Nicodemus is not in the light yet, and it won't take very long for us, the hearers, to realize this. Nicodemus addresses Jesus as rabbi, teacher. In John's gospel, the only people who address Jesus with this name, teacher, are the pre-disciples, those who aren't following him yet. And Nicodemus, in the darkness, simply states the facts to Jesus. Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could do these miraculous signs that you do unless God is with him. Nicodemus is factually correct here. He is, after all, a Jewish leader. He's a Pharisee. He was a leader in the synagogues and knows and studies his scriptures. And Jesus responds to Nicodemus in a way that at best seems like he didn't really hear what Nicodemus was saying. And at worst, that Jesus was being pretty rude and inconsiderate. But what Jesus is saying, that Nic- when Jesus is saying is that Nicodemus needs to be born again or from above. The Greek term can be used either way, and because Nicodemus hasn't been born from above, they cannot meaningfully converse. They are talking on two completely different planes, and that ship's passing in the night effect becomes even more obvious as they continue to talk past one another. And so we get Nicodemus' question, how is it possible for an adult to be born? It's impossible to enter the mother's womb for a second time and be born, isn't it? And here is where the rubber meets the road. How is someone born again or born from above? So this week I turned to two very significant conversation partners who use this conversation in John 3 in very important ways in their ministries. I turned to John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, and his sermon on the new birth that he preached in the 1700s, and to Billy Graham and his 1980 work, How to be born again. I figured that title could give me some answers, right? 
So I will reference these friends on the journey because they, because of how they see the new birth is insightful and important for us Christians over the past 250 years and how we've come to understand what Jesus means when he says you must be born again. Nicodemus is clearly confused by Jesus here. And he takes Jesus saying, you must be born again, literally, obviously. How could anyone be born again, he's wondering. That only happens once. What do you want us to do, Jesus, as grown people, be born from our mother again? The confusion in Nicodemus's question is clear. John Wesley speaks of this. It must therefore be understood of spiritual death, the loss of the life and image of God. Everyone descended from Adam comes into the world spiritually dead. This, then, is the foundation of the new birth, the entire corruption of our nature. Hence it is that being born of sin, we must be born again. Hence, everyone that is born of a woman must be born of the Spirit of God. End quote. So first, the, re- the reason why we must be born again, Wesley interprets, is that we are all born spiritually dead. Different theologians have called this different things, like original sin, But the main point is this, as humans, we are born into a broken relationship with God. The image of God that God has made in us has been tarnished by sin and its effects. Billy Graham asks what it means to be born again in his work. What does it mean to be born again? It is not just a remodeling job performed somehow by us on ourselves. Man cannot renew himself. God created us. Only God can recreate us. Only God can give us the new birth we so desperately want and need. End quote. We cannot will our own rebirth, Graham says. Rather, it is a gift that is given to us. We cannot fix ourselves up. Thus, it is a birth from above. We've already been born in this physical sense, obviously. And now, in a spiritual sense, we need a new birth. For we are spiritually dead, and we cannot awaken ourselves. And then Jesus answers Nicodemus' question in this passage by not really answering it. Nicodemus says, how is it possible for someone to be born again? And here's what Jesus says, I assure you, unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, it's not possible to enter God's kingdom. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh, and whatever is born of the Spirit is spirit. Don't be surprised that I said to you, you must be born anew. God's Spirit blows wherever it wishes. You hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it is going. It's the same with everyone who is born of the Spirit. What Jesus seems to be implying here is that Nicodemus and perhaps all of the Jewish leaders at that time could not understand because they have not been born of the Spirit. John Wesley reflected what this means, and it sounds a lot like when Isaiah prophesied. Wesley says, While a man is in a mere near natural state, before he is born of God, he has in a spiritual sense eyes and sees not, A thick, impenetrable veil lies upon them. He has ears, but hears not. He is utterly deaf to what he is most of all concerned to hear. His other spiritual senses are all locked up. He is in the same condition as if he had them not. Hence, he has no knowledge of God, no intercourse with him. He is not at all acquainted with him. He has no true knowledge of the things of God, either of spiritual or eternal things. Therefore, though he is a living man, he is a dead Christian. But as soon as he is born of God, there is a total change in all these particulars. The eyes of his understanding are opened. End quote. Though he's a living man, Wesley says, he is a dead Christian. How does Jesus see it? A bunch of us 
are walking around like the walking dead. We are moving throughout the world, but we aren't truly living. We are not experiencing the life that God intends because we are spiritually dead. We do not have a relationship with God. And hear this, Nicodemus was not a bad guy. He was one of the Jewish leaders. Yet Jesus could see into his and and into their hearts. Billy Graham reflects on this when he says, It has always astounded me that Jesus made this statement to a devout religious leader. But Jesus said all his piety and goodness weren't enough. He said, You must be born again. When Jesus told him that unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God, he was explaining to Nicodemus that he didn't have to improve his moral standards or increase his educational credits. He needed to receive a new quality of life, eternal life, that begins in this world and carries into the next world. End quote. Eternal life as a quality of life. This is what Jesus is promising. It is not just the length and duration of life that we receive. No, what Jesus is promising is abundant life, or what Paul tells Timothy is the life that is truly life. This is what Jesus is offering in the new birth. It is real life. And thus Nicodemus is presented as someone who does not understand this. As a leader, he might think that all of his righteous deeds would gain him good standing with God. And Jesus is telling him that he's actually just as bad off as anyone else, spiritually dead. So Nicodemus cannot even understand it. And Nicodemus asks Jesus one more question. How are these things possible? It is obvious that he doesn't get it. Billy Graham writes, What did Jesus, the carpenter from Nazareth, tell this well-educated man? He said in words like these, Nicodemus, I'm sorry, I can't explain it to you. You have seen something that troubles you, that doesn't fit your system. You admit I am more than an ordinary man, that I act with the power of God. This may not make sense to you, but I can't explain it to you, because your assumptions do not allow for a starting point. Nicodemus, to you it's not logical. Nothing in your thought patterns permits it. You cannot see with spiritual insight until you are born spiritually. You will just have to be born again. End quote. Here's the reality. Nicodemus is smart enough to get it. He understands lots of complex theological things, lots more than this. But that is not Jesus' concern. Jesus is not coming for the folks who are the smartest and who will invest the most time into study and understanding. Jesus is coming for the folks who will make themselves like little children. That's who the Spirit seems to be able to open up to receiving this new birth. And from this point on, the language that Jesus uses is plural. He asked Nicodemus, you are a teacher of Israel and you don't know these things? I assure you that we speak about what we know and testify about what we have seen. But y'all don't receive our testimony. I'm telling you, a southern translation of the Bible would really help when it comes to that, southern, that second person plural. Because literally he's saying, y'all, or if you're from Philadelphia or something, use guys or something like that. But, but Jesus here representing not only himself, but Jesus is representing his disciples too and all of his followers. And Nicodemus from this point forward in the conversation is representing the spiritual deadness of the Jewish leaders. Jesus wants to bring them a quality of life eternal life that they didn't even know was possible. 
John Wesley states it like this. Except he be born again, none can be happy even in this world. For it is not possible in the nature of things that a man should be happy who is not holy. End quote. Without the new birth, friends, humans are walking around and trying to fill a void in their lives that only God can fill. We try to do it all the time with lesser things. Entertainment only masks the void. Relationships seem to fill it for a while, but even those fail us. But the new birth, when we are born from above, we are changed. This is truly a change of heart. Do we mess up and sin afterwards? Of course. Billy Graham reflects on this. He says, some people say, love God and live as you please. Now are we free to sin without restraint? Can we run out of the courtroom, parted and justified, and do anything we want? Yes. But you are now born again. You don't want to do the same old wrong things. Your desires are changed. End quote. Friends, we don't just pray a prayer to receive the new birth and make sure that we have a get-out-of-hell-free card and then go back to how we are living. That's not the new birth. That's play-acting. No, the new birth, when we receive it, it transforms us. We recognize that we are sinners and we turn from that life and turn towards Christ in faith. And he gives us the gift of new birth. And from that point on, we are changed. This begins what we call sanctification. Over the course of time, we get to be more like Jesus. As people who have been born from above, our desires are changed and our spiritual eyes and ears have been opened. God does this by grace. This new birth is just the beginning of it. Wesley called the new birth the gate to sanctification. Billy Graham said it this way, the new birth is not just being reformed, it's being transformed. The Bible teaches us that through the new birth, we can enter a new world, end quote. Friends, this is what Jesus wanted for Nicodemus on that day, entrance into a new world, into the way that Jesus sees it, a way that is spiritually alive, that is filled with blessedness, and that is the way of the new birth. The good news, friends, is that there is hope. This is not the last we hear about Nicodemus in this story. Typically, when we read these passages in the Bible, they're kind of like one-offs. We don't know what happened to the woman at the well or to the blind man who was healed. But Nicodemus appears two more times in the Gospel of John. Once, Nicodemus is with the chief priests and the Pharisees, and he steps out from among them. Listen how this conversation goes in John 7. The Pharisees replied, Have you too been deceived? Have any of the leaders believed in him? Has any Pharisee? No, only this crowd, which doesn't know the law, and they are under God's curse. Nicodemus, who was one of them and had come to Jesus earlier, said, Our law doesn't judge someone without first hearing him and learning what he is doing, does it? They answered him, You are not from Galilee too, are you? Look it up, and you will see that the prophet doesn't come from Galilee. So Nicodemus is clearly a follower of Jesus at this point, or is at least on his way to being one. And the second place where we find Nicodemus makes his new birth and new reality quite clear, for he has come to help prepare Jesus, his body, for burial. It says in John 19, Nicodemus, the one who at first had come to Jesus at night, was there too. He brought a mixture of myrrh and aloe, nearly 75 pounds in all. Nicodemus has come into the light. 
he was made alive. And although he didn't get it right away, this conversation with Jesus clearly changed him. Friends, you too can be made spiritually alive. If you're not sure if you have ever received Jesus' new birth, I invite you to receive it today. Now can be the day of salvation for you. Maybe you aren't sure if you've ever received this new life. Perhaps you've always just gone along and tried to do the right thing, but you aren't sure if you truly know Jesus and you don't have the type of faith that has transformed you. The key to receiving this new birth is just admitting that you need it. It is relinquishing control and stopping trying to live godly by yourself. Friends, I'm going to lead you in a prayer to receive this new birth today. If you indeed feel the Holy Spirit pulling at your heart to pray with me, I invite you to do so and to let me know you did. You don't have to be ashamed at all. I pray that you would know deep in your heart that this transforming love of God that it makes us alive with him forever. Let's pray. Oh Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters here. God, who many of us may have been in church for a long time, or some of us relatively new, or some of us relatively recent, all at different points in our spiritual journey. And God, right now, I pray for those of us who are feeling the conviction of your spirit, who would say, I don't know if I've begun fully the journey of walking with Jesus. I don't know if I'm in a place uh, where I know this new birth and I'm assured that, that I am indeed walking with him. God, for any uh, here, whether young or old, uh, who, who feel that in their heart this morning, I'm just going to pray this simple prayer, and, and I pray that they might join me in their hearts this morning. Dear Jesus, I thank you that you came to this world, that you came to die for me and to save me, and that you rose again to give me and to give us resurrection life, life with you forever. I receive your new birth. I turn away from the ways in which I live selfishly and for myself. And I pray for the strength and courage and for your spirit to dwell in me so that I might live a life that is seeking you first and, and, and others second. God, I pray that you would transform me, not just immediately, but throughout my days and make me more like you. Thank you so much for loving me with a love that I cannot understand. In Christ's name we pray, amen.